First Thessalonians chapter five. Book of First Thessalonians chapter five. I don't know really what's going on in the sports world right now. I I don't watch them anymore. I used to keep up with it a little bit. But all the kids at school, they all keep up with it. And they always ask, well, who you got this week? Who you got next week? Uh, especially when it comes to football. And I couldn't tell you if my life depended on who played in the Super Bowl this year, let alone who won. But whenever it comes to, to recreational activities, we often pick sides. If Pine is playing St. Thomas, most of us around here choose Pine. If Pine's playing Ben's Ford, then we have a problem. But we'll choose sides in almost everything, that, especially something that we're connected to. Uh, when it comes to sports and, and recreational activities, and if you're a fisherman and a big, big fishing tournament comes up, you, you can pick sides on who you think may win. Uh, and this morning I want to ask a very important question. and I've often seen it illustrated as road signs. Uh, whenever you come to a fork in the road and there's a road sign standing up there, one's pointing to the left and one's pointing to the right, and one says good and one says evil. And a lot of times we think that it's not as simple as simply choosing what is good and what is bad. We, we always try to throw in a, a gray area. There isn't a gray area. And we may try to convince ourselves, and, and I'm guilty of it myself, that there is a gray area somewhere. But, but there's not. There's, there's good and there's evil. There's choosing God and there's choosing the world. Uh, and there are sticky situations and a lot of times it, we really ought to seek God's guidance and His will more than we do. But whenever it comes right down to it, we, we all have to choose and the Bible says that we have to choose daily. The world is constantly telling us things and, and you'll see it all over, especially if you, if you watch Hallmark movies or Lifetime movies. Uh, my dad's a Hallmark guy and you see in all the Hallmark movies, follow your heart. The Bible says not to. You see in all the Hallmark movies, well, well, go and discover yourself. Jesus said to deny yourself. Hallmark movies will say believe in yourself. Be true to yourself. Believe in you. The Bible contradicts that. The world will tell you, psychology books will tell you, self-help books will tell you, Oprah, Oprah Winfrey will tell you to follow your heart. Believe in yourself. Jesus said, deny the world and follow me. This morning, I, I want to try to get over on your heart the difference in, in good and evil. And I don't think that there's a single person here this morning that is confused on if, if abortion is right or wrong. Because murder is, is wrong. I don't think there's a person here that's convinced that, that stealing is right. Because the Bible says that it's wrong. I, I don't think there's a person here that is convinced that, that some of the more violent crimes are right. Because the Bible says otherwise. I, I don't think that it's, there's a person here that would argue about the importance of, of church and God's word. And the importance of prayer and the necessity of faith and salvation. Because we know that to be right. But when it comes right down to it, there is a difference in good and evil. And every day we, we have to choose. We have to choose which direction we're going to go. We have to choose who we're going to follow. We're going to have to choose who we pay attention to. Because it's very easy to get distracted. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse number 14. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse number 14. 
Now we exhort you, brother, and warn them that are unruly. Comfort the feeble-minded. Support the weak. Be patient toward all men. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but rather follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing and everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ concerning you. Quench not the spirit, despise not prophesies. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Abstain from the appearance of all evil. And the very peace of God will sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit, the soul and body preserved blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to gather in your house this morning. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for your direction, your instruction, your guidance in our life. God, I pray that you'd help us all that we could look to you. God, that we could crucify ourselves daily. God, that we could submit ourselves unto you. God, that we could rely on you for our strength, for our knowledge, God, for for everything in our everyday life. Lord, most of all, for being one among us this morning that's lost and unsaved, God, I pray that you, would, that you would allow them to see the frailty of life. God, the dangerousness of their situation. They can see their need of a Savior before it be everlasting too late. Lord, be with all those our duty to pray for. Help us throughout this service. Forgive us for we fail you. In Christ's name we ask. Amen. Yeah. The Bible here, and then it, oh man, this. This chunk of verses is, is Paul instructing the church here on, on what to do, where to go. He's closing out the letter. If you want to call it a, a conclusion, you can. But he leaves a, a lot of instruction here. And I want to focus in on verse number 15. It begins in verse 14. He says, he says we exhort you. We comfort you. We admonish you. We, we try to, to help you. And so throughout the instructions that he's given here, he's, he's trying to help this church in God. And in verse number 15, he says, See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Is there any question that, that in the world today that good and evil is somewhat skewed? It, it used to exist a little bit different than it does today and. I tell the kids at school all the time, well, well, this used not to be a rule. You used not to could do this, and now you can, and, and, and rules are changing all the time. When I was in school, uh, Mr. Mike Ingram stood at the football field for graduation with a razor. And if you showed up with hair on your face, he handed you the razor because it was against the rules to have hair on your face in school. And the same thing with hair on your ears or coming down over the back of your head. That was against the rules. When cell phones first came out, if they saw them on campus, they took them. Now kids are encouraged to have them. At Pine, my sophomore year, they gave everybody an iPod. Oh, that was a mistake. But, but rules change constantly. They're always changing. What used to be a law is, is now a, what do, they, what do they say about a stop sign? And a red light and a speed limit. It's just a suggestion. It may or may not be. But the laws of man change constantly. There's always overturning. There's amendments to amendments to amendments and, and laws that have been done away with and laws that have been changed. But the laws of God never change. And we're going to deal with a few of the sayings that the world will throw out at you, especially if you watch Hallmark movies or, 
or even some of the newer Disney movies. They say, follow your heart. Has anybody ever seen The Lion King? Oh, I love The Lion King. My favorite Lion King of all of them is Lion King 1 and a half. It's right in between Lion King 1 and 2. And it, it come out last, but it, it's a great movie. In the beginning of the movie, uh, before Timon and Pumbaa meet, Timon didn't fit in in his home. And so his mom said, go. She said, follow your heart. That's what she said. She said, follow your heart. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 4, verse number 19, He said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. He didn't tell the disciples to follow our heart. Our heart in Jeremiah 17, number 9, is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. That don't say something about human nature. I don't know what does. The heart is deceitful among all things. The heart, your heart, your own heart will lie to you before a Democrat will. True story. Your heart will lie to you before anybody else will. Because your heart, your heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. That is the flesh that we have to battle against each and every day. It's that, that nature that's within us that we have to fight, that we have to argue with. So whenever the, the world says to follow your heart, that's, that's trying to lead us astray. And I'm not saying that that is the purpose of a Disney movie. But if we go out into this world and if we follow our heart, if you turn somebody loose without moral guidance, the common term is a, a moral compass. If you turn somebody loose without an instruction manual, without a moral code, without knowing the difference between right and wrong, what is going to happen? If you turn somebody loose and you don't tell them what is right or wrong, then, then they're going to follow their heart. And their heart is deceitful above all things. I've heard it. People all my life, follow your heart, follow your heart, follow your heart. Especially when it comes to dating. Oh, good gracious. Follow your heart, darling. Don't follow your heart. Pray to God. Follow Him. Read your Bible. Follow it. Don't follow your heart. It's dangerous. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you. I know I've concentrated on it before, but, but that word make is the key word in that verse for me. Because Jesus didn't say, follow me and you will be. He said, follow me and I will make you. We can follow our heart and this world will make us into somebody that we don't recognize. Into somebody that we don't want to be. But if we follow Jesus, He will make us into a disciple of His. We won't automatically be, boom, you're there. It don't work that way. He will make us. He will allow us to become. In the Sunday school lesson this morning, there was a line, and I missed it this week studying, I found it first thing this morning. It said, whenever you were saved... Whenever you think about being saved, do you think about what you were saved from or what you were saved for? I've never thought about it that way. We can think about being saved as, as salvation is simply something for us, some way for us to miss hell. Don't get me wrong. That is a wonderful part of it. Being able to, to know and be eternally satisfied 
that our soul has been saved from a place created for the devil and his angels is peaceful. But let's not forget what we were saved for. We were saved for the work of God. We were saved for following Jesus. We were saved for being missionaries. As Acts in chapter 1 says, to the places around us, they use the example of Judea and Samaria and into the uttermost parts of the earth. That's what we were saved for, the cause of Christ. We were saved for the furtherance of the gospel. We were saved for the advancement of the kingdom of God. Missing hell is a fringe benefit. We were saved for God. The second thing that the world says that it really kind of irks me is, as they'll tell you to believe in yourself. Anybody ever heard that? Believe in yourself. I've told kids that and I've tried to make myself stop. Whenever they go to a contest or go to a speaking engagement or whatnot, you got to have confidence enough to stand up in front of people and, and make them believe what you're saying whenever you're doing these speeches for FFA and all. And I tell them, if you don't believe in yourself, nobody else will either. But Jesus said, believe in me. We ought to believe in ourselves from a, a point of self-confidence. Proverbs, 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 in chapter 3, verse number 5, says to trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and what? He will direct thy paths. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart means that we're not trusting in our own knowledge and our own understanding. We can't do it. It's not going to work. It's not going to happen. Several years ago, Daddy started getting in these new air conditioners and I was helping him and we put one in up the road and we took the cover off of it and it was having some problems and I took the cover off of it. Hey, must have been a circuit board in there that big. Oh, it was huge. And I got to look and I didn't understand that. I didn't understand nothing about it. It was what looks like donuts inside of there and just all kind of resistors and capacitors and stuff going every which direction. And it did not make a lick of sense to me. And so I called Daddy. He said, don't, don't worry about that. He said, read the wiring schematic and trust it. Don't worry about what you see. That'll get you distracted. We're not to worry about what we think. Or what I think I know or what I can wrap my head around, Jesus said, believe in me. Solomon said to trust in the Lord with all thine heart. If we trust in the Lord with all thine heart, does that leave any of our heart to trust in something else? It don't. 100% and, and used to a, a 4.0, 100% was as much as you could get in school. But when my brother come through, he graduated with like a 4.2. So evidently that has changed as well. But 100% in theory is as much as you can possibly get. And if we trust in God with 100% of our heart, that don't leave anything else for us to trust in. We can't. We are better off trusting in God. How many people do you know that trusted in themselves and got themselves in trouble? <coughs> Jonah, David, Samson. How many people leaned into their own understanding? Whenever the... Whenever they built the cart to transport the Ark of the Covenant. They said, we got an easier way. They, we ain't tote this thing around no more. When God said to tote it. And the man reached up there to steady it and it killed him. On the spot. 
God told him to destroy everything. And what did Saul do? He said, hold up, I'm going to save the best of the spoils to sacrifice. God said, no, I wanted it all destroyed. But Saul trusted in himself. Man came to him and said, is it better to, to sacrifice or to obey? He trusted in his own understanding. He trusted in what he thought was best. Anybody ever thought that they knew what was best and was proved wrong? Or is it just me? It can't be just me. You ever found yourself in that situation where you just knew that you did the right thing? And a week, two weeks, a year later, <laughs> you see it and you were as wrong as the day is long. I think that in hindsight, Saul knew what he had done. In hindsight, Moses knew that he was supposed to talk to that rock. But he hid it anyway. In hindsight, Abraham knew that he wasn't supposed to lie and say that Sarah was his sister. He did it anyway. In hindsight, David would have never found himself on the roof of that building. In hindsight, Samson would have stayed away from Delilah. But we don't get an opportunity to go back and change. When the world says to believe in ourselves, that's when we mess up. That's when we take our eyes off of God. That's when we begin to sink. That is whenever, that is whenever we begin to trust in our own understanding. Whenever we die, they say that our brain becomes dehydrated. And whenever the, the final weight comes down to less than a pound, because most of it is water. If you think about it, a three-pound brain that we have in our head cannot encompass the knowledge of God. We can't wrap our head around who or, or what God is. We can't wrap our head around eternity. I couldn't wrap my head around calculus too. And I think I'm going to understand the inner workings of the cosmos. Don't work that way. God don't ask me to. He asked me to believe in Him. And it's a whole lot easier to believe than to understand. Amen. And that is a fact. It is easier to believe than to understand. Jesus said, believe in me. Another thing the world says, and it was also stated in the Timon and Pumbaa movie, say, go and and discover yourself. The world says, go sow your wild oats. The Bible says you reap what you sow. People say, go and discover yourself. Especially whenever kids get grown. <laughs> they think they're grown. I think the age of an adult ought to be about 30. Because until then, we still don't know what we're talking about. And according to some folks at that age, you still don't either. But they say, go and discover yourself. Figure out who you are. The Bible says that whenever we're saved, we are what? We are a new creature. Created in Christ Jesus. If you're saved, then, then you should know who you are. It's not something that you have to find. It's not something that you have to hunt. It's something that you are created as. You don't have to discover whether or not you're a man or a woman. Biologically, that is settled. It was taken care of for you. It's not a choice that people have. It is the world telling them to go and discover themselves and lose their mind in the process. And if they miss Jesus while they're discovering themselves, they're going to lose their soul as well. The problem with discovering yourself is that Jesus said, in Luke number 
9, verse number 23, that we are to deny ourselves. The world tells us to do exactly what the Bible says not to do. Luke 9 and 23, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow me. I don't know the, the history of most holidays. I, I'm supposed to be a history teacher, but I didn't study it real well. But you see a lot of times, a lot of holidays, a lot of activities, a lot of people put things in the way of Christian holidays to distract from the purpose. The Easter Bunny didn't roll the egg out of the way where Jesus could walk out of the tomb. Santa Claus didn't bring Jesus to be born in a manger. We miss holidays because we get distracted. Because the world wants to put whatever they can in the way of Jesus. And we talked about that with religion this morning. I'm going to use a statement. My, my brother coined it from what I heard. He said, and, and he's living up toward Natchez now, and he was hunting him a church. He made this statement to my mom, and she told me, he said, religion has given God a bad name. And it has. Because religion will send you straight to hell. Because in discovering themselves, someone discovered religion. Muhammad didn't die for our sins. The Pope didn't die for our sins. Allah or, or whatever it is that the Muslims serve it didn't die for our sins. Jesus Christ did. God sent him for us. And in discovering ourselves, we should discover that first. If you're in unsaved this morning, then you have nothing left to discover other than Jesus Christ. Short of that, it's going to be heartache and disappointment. Not in this life, but in the next one. If you're here and unsaved this morning, then Jesus Christ is the only thing that you need to discover. You need to discover that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. You need to discover that He came and lived a perfect life on this earth. You need to discover that He died on the cross for you. I heard a man say one time, a kid asked him, what is, what is Good Friday? He said, that's the day that Jesus was crucified. He said, why is it called good then? He said, well, if you were going to jail for life, for murder, and someone came in there and said, hey, you're free. I'm going to take your place. What would you call that? He said, oh, that would be good. He said, that's why they call it Good Friday. Because we were all bound for hell. We were all guilty. And Jesus took our place. And you need to discover that Jesus. You need to discover that faith and trust in him will bring you salvation forever. That is all that you need to discover. Because the things out in this world are just here to distract us from God. I know that you know that Christians are the minority in this world today. Whenever we go out and we... And as Christians, we're trying to minister to those around us. We understand that the world already has hooks in them. The world has as many or more tools than we often use. Because they've translated this Bible in so many different ways that the blood no longer applies. That hell is no longer hot. That God is no longer wrathful. Because they discovered themselves and rewrote the Bible. 
Jesus said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Let us understand that the, the best that I got is filthy rags. Let us understand that the, the most that I can comprehend is not, the, is not the inkling of what God knows or has in store for each and every one of us. Our minds cannot comprehend that. Let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. That battle between good and evil is not something that happens one time in our life. We get saved once in our life and that is settled, that is done, that is finite. But we have to choose Christ every day. We have to choose to serve God every day. We have to choose to deny ourselves every day. Is anybody tempted to sleep in this morning? We drive about 43 minutes to get here, hoping to change that over the summer. But we drive 43 minutes to get here, and I'm very tempted to sleep in in the morning. And this is the latest that I've ever attended church. We used to go to church and started at 9 a.m. Sunday school. And that was early getting up. We have to deny ourselves daily to make it to church on time. Anybody ever noticed how it's harder to make it to church on time than it is to make it to work on time? There's a picture on Facebook, and it shows a guy laying in bed, pulling the, the pillow over his eyes, and it says, man, it's 6 a.m. to get up and go to work. And then it shows a guy sitting on the side of his bed with his fishing vest and his fishing pole in his hand, and it said, man, it's 3 a.m. to go fishing. It's funny how that works. It will. It will, every time. Every time. We have to deny ourselves for the work of God. We have to. We got to want it. We got to deny ourselves and take up our cross daily and follow Him. When the Bible says take up our cross, Jesus carried that cross up the hill. And it was not something that was easy, it was not something that was light. I've carried cross ties before. Usually whenever I think of bearing a cross, that's what I think about is a, a cross tie nailed across a light pole. And I've carried them, and we use light poles for fence posts, and they're not fun. Oh, good gracious, they're heavy. And Jesus carried two of them after he'd been whipped and beat and tortured. Taking up our cross and denying ourselves is not something that's easy. It's not something that's simple. It's not something that, that we can do on a whim. It is something that we have to strive toward. It is not something that we can automatically be made into. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you. If we deny ourselves, he will make us. If we deny ourselves, he will train us. The, the definition of being a disciple is striving to follow Jesus. That word striving is in the present tense. That means daily. That means constantly. That means all the time. It don't mean taking a break on Saturdays. It don't mean taking a break on Mondays. The last thing that the world tells us, and we're going to flip over to Romans in chapter 3. In verse number 10, the Bible says, uh, excuse me, the world says, to be true to yourself. Anybody ever heard that? That statement is coined, and if you go through Hobby Lobby, you'll see it on signs all over the place. It says, be true to yourself. Romans in chapter 3, verse number 10, says, As it is written, There is none righteous, no, not one. And in John in chapter 14, verse number 6, Jesus said, I am the way, 
We can't be true to ourselves because we ain't good enough. We aren't good enough. We can't be true to ourselves because we're flesh and blood. We're not true to begin with. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man coming to the Father but by me. The world says be true to yourself. The signs say be true to yourself. The billboard says be true to you. That is promoting the way of the world. We don't see it as evil until we see it as contrary to the word of God. Then we can see it as evil. Then we can see it as wrong. Then we can see it as misleading. I know it's hard for us to wrap our mind around. Everybody in the world is not as concrete and solidly founded in the word of God as some folks around here are. I know it's difficult. But when I went to college, I was the only person in the first church that I went to, and it was a, it was a big church three or four times the size of this. And we went to Sunday school, and there was probably 40 or 50 people in there my age. And they asked what kind of Bible we had because they had NIV Bibles to give out so that everybody's Bible would be the same. I had the only one in there that was a KJV Bible. And in that church, I suspect I was one of maybe a few. Everybody is not rooted and grounded in thus saith the word of God. You think of people that grow up in other religions, people that grow up outside of church. But Randy said that him and the Gideons was, was in, in schools and he said it's amazing how many kids hadn't been to church in a while, hadn't been to church in a long time, don't have Bibles. Last Sunday we read train up a child in the way he should go. How can we do that without the word of God, without the church? There are many kids today that don't get that. There are many adults today that don't get that. And so whenever the world says, go and be true to yourself, they're like, yes, that's my Zen moment. I will discover myself. And they will discover the ways of the world contrary to the ways of God. When I was a kid, I had a terrible habit of pitching from down here. I threw sidearm all my life. Messed up my elbow. I was a good pitcher. But everybody, daddy, my baseball coaches, tried to get me to throw from way up here. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. I grew up from as little as I can remember throwing from right here. And to break this havoc was something that I could not physically do. It killed me to try to throw from way up here. It just hurt my arm. Because I trained myself to throw from down here. If from a young age... Someone learns to follow their heart. Someone learns to discover themselves. Someone learns to believe in themselves. It is extremely difficult for us to reach them with the Word of God. Not saying that it's impossible. It is a difficult habit to break. It is a difficult mindset to break. But the Bible said to take up our cross daily and follow him that burden is on us to reach them with the word of God that burden is on us to reach them with Jesus now's as good a time as any Easter's coming up I know a lot of folks see family during Easter there was a man that prayed one time and it was several years ago I think we was in church it may have been at a, a dinner on the ground I don't remember
But the man prayed and, and part of his prayer really touched my heart. You can reach people by praying. Whenever you're talking to God, not talking to them. You can reach people by living in a way that is conducive to God. You can teach people by showing them through your life the difference in right and wrong. The difference in good and evil. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians to render not evil for evil. How big of an impact will that make on someone? Someone that needs Jesus. Someone who's been taught all their life if somebody hits you, you hit them back. Somebody who's been taught all their life to believe in themselves, to follow your heart. Jesus said, deny yourself and follow me. There's battles of good and evil all through the Bible and even in the day in which we live. And I wrote down a few of them and, and I, I want to ask you who wins. The first is in the New Testament. Jesus versus Satan. Satan tempted him three times with everything what we're tempted with today. He tempted him with pride. He tempted him with power. He tempted him with food. Who won? Jesus. How did he win? The Word of God. Elijah battled out the prophets of Baal. How did he win? His faith in God. Joshua marched around Jericho. You have any idea how them people in Jericho must have felt? If I saw somebody out marching around my house that I knew was fortified, I'd call them crazy. They had to be calling them crazy. How did Joshua and the children of Israel conquer Jericho? They did it through obedience. Jesus through the word of God. Elijah through faith. And Joshua through obedience. That is a recipe for a healthy relationship with God today. If we're to go out in this world and be what he would have us to be. If we're to try to reach a lost and dying world that is out there and is in need of Jesus. If we're to allow ourselves to, to dive into the word of God. To believe the word of God. To have faith in God. And to obey God. Then we can win the battle as well. I will have a verse for something.